This is Curious G. Thank you for tuning in to the Truth to Power podcast. In this episode, we've been focused on the song built for this, which finishes off the last song on the album, Storm of Clouds and Smoke. The topic has been being comfortable in the uncomfortable. On this episode, which is part two, we are framing it with the topic of death. Is this thing on? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> It's your boy Ace Cannon. Just got jokes here on a beautiful Tuesday evening. And this is Curious G, and we're unfucking the world one episode at a time. TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of unfucking the world, um, we're still on built for this. We're, we're we're trying out this new thing where we kind of stick on a song a little bit longer than one episode because I think some of these topics are big. Well, everything we talk about here is complex. It's no yes or no. Yeah, know? and you know this is this is a big one. Yeah, this is a big. It's end. a very big one. Well, well, the uncomfortable being or the being comfortable being uncomfortable thing it was big, but I'm going in the most uncomfortable thing that we can probably talk about. What is what is the most uncomfortable thing that we could talk about? Mm. I mean, you don't need to know my personal mm. life. No, <laughs> no, no. Are no, you no. talking about? Let's see here. Oh well, sex. Sex is pretty complicated, but I think this is bigger. Uh, I think this self worth. I think this. I think it's bigger. This uh, is the thing that people avoid. Religion. This is the thing people avoid. Politics. This is the th- bigger thing that people. What is the thing that we all avoid? There's a guy, uh, Ernest Becker, he talks about how a lot of life, we are avoiding the idea of death. Oh, touche. That we are avoiding the idea of death. That's the thing that makes us uncomfortable. And in, in his philosophy, he talks about how a lot of things that we get involved with in our life is for the purpose of the avoidance of death, religion being one of the big things. Right. It gives us an answer like, oh, check, don't need to think about death because I've got that figured out. You know what I mean? Um, but the other thing he points out is a lot of the things that is our avoidance of death is like we, we tie ourselves to things that give us some sense of identity. If you go back to our episode on brands, right, the way that we kind of attach ourselves to brands to have some kind of uh, permanence. Mm-hmm you know, instead of this impermanence, you know. Um, but before we get right into death, I want to kind of focus on disease a little bit. Right? <laughs> nice, seg- nice segue. Uh, a little, <laughs> Appreciate I, that I, segue. I don't want to kill us all just quite yet. I want to I want to have a little disease, you know. So, so last week I kind of talked about uh, how doctors would do things like read horoscopes and shit like that, you know, when we're when we're seeing the doctor, and that actually got me to thinking about disease and like the way that that our perception of disease has changed over time. Like we have talked a little bit about the Dark Ages and Renaissance and things like that, and the end of the Dark Ages there was uh, the the plague, the big plague. You know what I mean? Uh, they say 50% of Europe got wiped the fuck out, 60%, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. You know, can you imagine if 60% of fucking everybody in the United States got wiped the I fuck mean, out? That's like 170 million people. Ooh, dude. That's wild. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Can you imagine? No. So people were very secure in their identity with religion. 
when when this disease showed up. People have been progressing kind of the same for a long time. Like it's pretty much Catholic and around Europe. You know, that was one of the things that kind of united all of Europe. You know what I mean? Was the Catholic Church for a thousand years or whatever the fuck it was. Constantine. It, yeah, it gave, it gave everybody a sense of identity. But 60% of the fucking motherfuckers are dying around you. You're like, huh. God, <laughs> God's plan. God's what are you plan. doing, dude? So that faith got shaky for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and and it wasn't probably um, coincidental that that people started to question religion about the same time, which was where the Protestant religion kind of got its start, where they started to protest against the Catholic Church, and you know they started to figure out some things like, oh, you you guys are up there reading Latin, but a lot of the priests didn't even know how to speak Latin because they hadn't even educated their own people enough during that time. So a lot of them were faking like Latin. It was just up there babbling and shit right there, you know, but nobody could call them on their shit because yeah. nobody spoke you Latin. Would, you wouldn't know. But they started to like, when, when all these people started to die, they started to question, maybe y'all motherfuckers don't know what's really going on with God's plan because this is fucked up. <laughs> you know? True. And they started to look a little closer, like, let me see that book. <laughs> Argo, that's not that. Yeah. So this was, this faith wavered. Yeah. And think about our time period with this coronavirus. You know, do you think that our perception of things and like the way that we view life and maybe even the way we view death, you think it's altered since coronavirus? I feel like it just got swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, you don't hear about it anymore. We don't see it on the news anymore. People don't talk about it anymore. People all of a sudden aren't dying from a coronavirus. Mm. So I think that, well, I think religion has been slowly, <clears throat> you know, going, I mean, there's more, there's more atheists today than there ever were, you know, in the United States. Uh, religion is definitely down in comparison to where it was in the 1900s. You know, I think that <clears throat> it's easier to find information. So it's also easier to question information. So I think that, I don't think that religion for some reason, religion was never even a conversation that I heard with coronavirus. Mm. Um, I think that it was so, we were so unsure about exactly how bad it was. You know, in the beginning, there was no, you know, I mean, what we were hearing was every, it was just, it was just like this, which it is. I, I still feel like it's just a flu. You know, you just get the flu. Granted, some people die of flu, you know, so it's not like it's uncommon for that to happen. But I don't, for some reason, I don't, I don't, I never heard, you know, religion really played into it. And maybe it's just because the bubble that I was in, you know, was not about that. But yeah. I just feel, I feel like it was, it's just swept under the rug. Like it was just, people don't even, because you were just sitting at home for 18 months, you know, people don't even really, it was just like a pause on your life. And then mm. right when you're able to get back to everything, it just picked back up like nothing happened. See, when, when you're able to work from home, I think a lot of things are different than like my work. Yeah. Right. We have to work out around each other and you have to work with another dude a lot of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and really to try to wear the mask and all that stuff, dude, it was, it was almost a safety issue because you have to wear safety glasses and your glasses would fog up with these fucking masks. So you can't see what you're doing. And we deal with glass. 
right? Like it, it is not uncommon for me to be 20 stories up on a swing stage setting a 300 pound piece of glass, <laughs> Yeah. right? I need to be able to see what the fuck I am doing. And I think a lot of us kind of had the, the feeling like I'd rather take a chance to fucking die at some point down the line <laughs> than right now, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> even this week, you know, I had, uh, I had a little strep throat happen last week and it was uh, Friday. I about lost my voice, right? You can probably still hear it's cracking a little bit. And I went to work because I didn't really have other symptoms. I just, I, I felt weak as fuck, right? And my throat, like my my sore throat was off the chain, right? And I lost my voice. And, um, but I went into work and I wore a mask. And I wouldn't have went into work if I if I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew what I was doing, I was going to work alone all day long, right? I was going to work off a scissor lift, poking out of the building in the fresh air by myself doing caulking. I knew it. I knew what I was doing. So I was like, I can work by myself. I'm not going to get anybody fucking sick. And I kept my mask on the whole time. But when I showed up and stood more than six feet away from somebody, it was clear that I was sick. Uh, One of the guys said, look, man, if you're sick, you need to stay home. I don't want to die from this thing. And, you know, I, I felt what he said. You know what I mean? And I said, look, man, I'm, I'm going to stay away from you. I'm working by myself, da 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 But we just had a dude that we worked with that got sick on the job and went into life support. And he was in life support for almost a month. You know, he was on a See, breathing machine. That's so wild. And it's definitely the, the, the bubble that you're in. Yes. You know, 100%. Because I, <clears throat> I had COVID. Um a while back and same thing. I was able to, I mean, I was working from home yeah, by yeah. myself, you know? So I was, n- nothing changed. I was just like, ah, I'll be back in 10 days when this thing, you know, finally subsides. Mm. But yeah, I just didn't even, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, decathlon healthy, but I'm definitely not. It's not like you're unhealthy. Yeah, I'm not like super unhealthy. Yeah, yeah dude. but you're not so. you're not overweight. You look fit, fitish, fitish. You're wearing sweatpants. You gotta be healthy. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm in sweatpants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. But yeah, it's 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 definitely how it affects you too. And mm. I think that's with everything. You know, if your mother, family member, cousin, anything was gunned down, you know, gun guns are a bigger issue to you than mm. someone that's never had anything. You know, if, you know, like I spoke on here, I had a cousin who recently passed of fentanyl overdose. Obviously that plays a bigger impact me now. And I say, fuck fentanyl, regardless, I would have said that, but you know, just it, it's more serious because it's something that actually affects you. But <clears throat> because we're in that hustle and bustle, like we've talked about so many times, you only, you only live what's in front of you. You know, it's sometimes hard to think outside the box when you're constantly on the go. Right. You know, and I think that's one thing that we all have in common, yeah. um, you know, unless you're, you know, the 1%, the 5%, probably even top 10%, you know, you're, you're, you're living all right yeah. to where you can take a vacation, you can take a couple of days off. But, you know, with us, you know, I, I can't, yeah. you know, I gotta, I, I enjoy the weekends, you know, because I know I got to go back to work on Monday and go do my thing. Mm. So uh, I kind of wanted to get into... And this was the doctors doing horoscope readings got me to thinking about some of this is is how our perception of both disease and death has changed, right? And um, like uh, 
disease, a lot of the times was thought of as disease. Like you're not at ease. There's, yeah. there's something in your nature that is out of balance. Yeah. Right. So people had this perception that like when you were sick, there was something wrong with you, maybe on a spiritual level. Like they, they even thought that you might be possessed by a demon or a devil and you know what I mean? So there's- Diablo. Yeah. So like, it, and this just changed like somewhere around the seventies where people started to like, if you had cancer in the seventies, uh, you know, they would look at you like, um, like you had some play in this, you know, like, like you were, like you were doing something wrong. Yeah. That you, you, you got it because you were living a particular lifestyle or you're doing something. Yes. Interesting. Well, you think, think about the language that we use. He's battling the disease. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Think about HIV back in the eighties, right? It was a moral thing for a lot of people. Oh, he's God's angry at the gays. Yeah. He's getting after the gays, yeah, right? The gays. Yeah. The gays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The homos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Cause they, they were yeah. some of the first people to get sick. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, some people say the government did it. Oh, you know? God, you know, God was, was taking them out. Yeah. You know, and people were convinced of this shit. Yeah. It says in the Bible, you know, yeah. you, you shouldn't love another man. So, yeah. so this wasn't even long ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 30, what, 30, 40 years ago? Yeah. Dude, yeah. I was a kid. I was a kid. I mean, I was a baby. I was, I was trying to get laid about the time that that shit was in full fucking swing, right? Okay. Like I'm in, I'm in like high school, middle school, all that shit, like trying to get close to girls yeah. and Oh, no, 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 no. We ain't going to play that shit. Mm -mm. I'm not trying to get that A. <laughs> you got that ninja. Yeah. <laughs> you got that ninja. That silent killer. That silent killer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a virgin. Come on, give me a yeah, shot. Just, come on. <laughs> I, I swear. You think I want to tell you that I am? But people thought that there was some morality attached to this shit. And you know where this shit kind of comes from a little bit? You know what Pandora's box is? So I do. Mm. Ooh, he's got some knowledge. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, so I just know that, you know, I'm, maybe I don't know exactly what it is. I just know that when you say like, once you open Pandora's box, you can't close it. Mm, drop it like it's hot. So, you know, and that, that's just like with anything, you know, and it's mostly on the negative side. Well, let me give things. you the skinny. Okay. Yeah. Because so. I mean, I've heard of it. I know the premise, but I don't know the backstory. So, so the Greeks believed that there was this God named Juniper. And Juniper was kind of pissed off. Why was he pissed? Because they gave the gift of fire to man, right? Fucked up by giving us the gift of fire, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a long, complicated fucking story, but basically uh, Zeus crammed all these diseases and sorrows and vices and crimes that afflict humanity into this box. And he gave it to this dude whose name will be nameless. I'll just call him dude because I can't pronounce it very well. And you wouldn't even understand it, I don't think, if I could, right? Like you say Echolepides or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that one. Deuteronomy, I don't know. A But he, he, you know, he had a, a wife named Pandora. Oh, okay. And, and when this motherfucker stepped out of the house to go do dude stuff, Pandora was like, what the fuck's in that box? Let me take a little peek. Well, what's, what's in that box? And when she opened the box, all of the uh, ills, you know, of the world flew out and spread out, you know, because of this chick, right? It's always a chick. Of course. Eating the fucking apple. Yeah, of course. Men, men never do anything wrong. No, no. Yeah, it's always, no, it's, a, it's, it's always a women. It's yeah. always a chick in these stories. Course, they fuck up sin, death, death yeah. disease. I was going to live forever and you just needed an apple. 
Oh, man. They fucked us. Oh. But hey, give me a call, ladies. But that was Pandora's box. Yeah, okay. And and this idea of of um, you know, disease and you know, maybe you have a demon and stuff like this, this goes way back. And it was it was a big part of the psychology of things. And I don't think it's really departed all that much, even to this day, because take certain illnesses. Um, I'm gonna use what you mentioned a little while ago, fentanyl, right? Addiction. How many times do we see people that are addicted to things as weak, right? Yeah, you have no self-will. You have no yeah. you, you have no self-control. You can't, you know, you can't be that person. It's all on you, you know. Well, I don't have that, you know, so. Now, here's the thing, okay? If, if doctors define things like addiction and alcoholism as a disease because there is physical differences in people that have it, right? Physical differences that science can say, oh, shit, that's different. Their body processes alcohol differently than this person. It's a disease, right? Yeah. But yet we'll lock you motherfucking up for being a drug addict, right? Yeah. Now, the difference between that disease and let's say heart disease, if you were to fall down on my ground right now and have a heart attack, I'm not going to go, get up. Yeah. You're embarrassing me, dude. The listeners are listening. Yes. What the fuck is wrong (laughs) with you? They can hear you on the ground, man. Press your life (laughs) alert button. Come Get that on. spit off your chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for sure. It's but, just, it's yeah, definitely. Two. I mean, same disease at the end of the day as defined disease. But, but yet disease. one. But yet one is. Oh, that wasn't. You know, even though you eat like shit, do these things like this, or you know, don't take care of yourself at all. But yeah, that was just Mother Nature mm. running this course. Well, Mother Nature running this course this way, it's looked upon like we talked about just being weak, which is. So ironic. Well, there's fear attached to disease, right? <clears throat> yeah. Because you go back to that black death and, right, let's say that 60% of the motherfuckers in the United States disappeared, right? Now, if you had to go to work, like I have to go to work and work around other people and Jimmy starts coughing, <clears throat> oh, oh. I'm giving him that stink eye. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give him the stink eye. What you doing, Jimmy? I'm going to run Jimmy out the job. Yeah, Jimmy. And, and the thing is- I is think he stole some tools. They had them bumps- yeah. You know, yeah. from that black plague, they had them bumps. Once yeah. they got them bumps, seven days, brother, seven days. That's so crazy. Seven days That's they so were dead. Wild. Seven days. That's so wild. You knew you were going to be dead in seven days and there was nothing nobody could do. You know, you couldn't look to God because he wasn't helping. <laughs> He's letting 60% of the mother, and faith is strong yeah. until 60% well, of the motherfuckers are dead. And I would say on the flip, if you survived it, you're probably even stronger if you believed in God before. But nobody was surviving that shit. But I mean, 40% were. So, Well, they were because they didn't catch it. But that's, but, but the science behind it didn't, they didn't know. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't know they that, didn't know. you know? But I'm saying like, the fact is, is like, oh, thank you, Lord, for keeping me safe during these negative times. Why would you not be devoted? They actually thought that uh, disease came in smells. I mean, I've smelled some people that. So they had the like the plague doctor would have those big cone face oh, things yeah, I've with seen all that. the flowers and shit yeah, yeah, inside yeah. because they thought the disease was actually in a smell or a scent. And and part of the reason for that is you go into areas of poverty, there's some stinky motherfuckers. Yeah. And more people died of guess what? Fucking disease. <laughs> and it probably had more to do with the poverty than the necessarily I mean, the snake that I they mean had. the fact, you know, malnutrition, not having a strong immune system. Not being able, I mean, it was the same thing with COVID, you know, 
well, I don't even know, man. Those I've I've heard every statistic and every not every statistic, obviously, but they were when they were saying if you died during COVID, it was always COVID, you know, because because oh, yeah. the hospitals were getting paid, you know, for every COVID death. So they were just racking them up like a car accident. Oh, it's because of COVID. Mm. It's like what? Nah, man, you got hit by a car. That was an accident, you know. So it was. Yeah, crazy times, bro. So at first, I wasn't taking it too serious, to be honest with you. Like, um, you know, I I got down to Florida in January when my mom had her heart attack. February, people started really talking about it around me. um, And I was poo-pooing it, right? March came around, and I had to go get a medical exam because I was processing my paperwork for Canada uh, my wife and I were still together at the time and I was working on my permanent residence paperwork there. So I had to get a physical, but I had to get it from a Canadian doctor that was in the States. So I had to go all the way across the state of Florida, which to cross that part is pretty easy. It's like an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> right. From coast to coast. <clears throat> and, but I went over there and I was, was not taking the shit seriously. And one of the things you had to do is get like your lungs looked at or some shit like that. And these motherfuckers, like when they when they signed you in, they did it outside the building, and everybody was wearing masks. And they like had you go over to this desk and fill out your paperwork on these plastic sheets that they could just wipe off clean. And it was like they were terrified. Yeah. And I got nervous because they were scared. These are the doctors, and they just looked at you like you were fucking gonna kill them. Yeah, for sure. And I said, "Ooh, maybe this is different." And I remember I came back to work. I got a little bullshit job when I was down there just to have some work, right? And and the place I worked, it was a glass shop, small glass shop. There might've been seven or eight of us or something like that. And then that Friday, they wanted to do a meeting. And I think I mentioned this on the podcast once before. They wanted to do a meeting, like a safety talk over coronavirus. And And this was, I shit you not, the fucking safety talk that they gave. They prayed over us and blessed us in the blood of Christ. <laughs> now, I w- I'm sitting there going, oh. <laughs> uh, uh. So I, I don't really believe in all what you believe. What do I do? <laughs> I have to go into customers' houses and what do, how do I handle this? Like, what do, what's our practices, you know? And that was when I realized, you know, I got, I've got a mother at home. She's on oxygen. She's got COPD. If she catches this, she's going to be dead. Yeah. So I, I basically, that was my last day at that job and, and they understood, you know, I was like, yeah, fuck y'all. I can't, I can't you bring, know? I can't bring this home. Blood of Jesus ain't. <laughs> yeah. But see, that was the thing. They prayed over it. And this kind of strengthens the point that I was just making about people believe that, that, you know, God has something to do with all this disease and, and all this and that, but it's the same thing with death, right? Like check, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. I've got death covered. So people don't think about it too much. Do you think about death? I do. Do you? I do, but I, I'm not, um, I made peace with death when I was in my twenties, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, you, you've said that before. Like you were even shocked that you were like, you made it out this age. No, 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 no. no. I, I, yeah, I, I, I came close to a lot of death experiences at a young age. Yeah. Right. But what I mean by, I had made peace with it is I gave my mind to think about death and what it meant to me. Right. And I, I arrived at, at this idea um, 
I, I really kind of believe this to, to, to this day that all of nature is about growth and expansion and, and stuff like that, you know, and things do die, but they change forms, right? Like energy cannot be destroyed. Created it changes, destroyed, changes yeah. forms. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that, that once the body falls off, I think that there is something about us that can continue, but I don't know if, if we would be having the same conscious experience that we're having now. Right. Um, but like, we, we emerge into consciousness somewhere between the ages of seven and 12 years old. I don't know if, if you realize that, but we're having actually subconscious brain waves before that. We don't actually have conscious brain waves, which is why kids are kind of like, you know, so erratic. I was going to say like super disparatic in their lives. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's this growth that's happening and this expanding of consciousness and, and, and all this and that. So I think that I, I really kind of have carried this belief for a long time that if I'm living life to the fullest while I'm here, there's no reason why it would con, you know not continue, mm-hmm. right? It would just keep expanding like the universe is doing. But I think that there's a lot of people that, that are dead walking around. Like I brought up to you the idea of zombies yesterday, you know? I think that there's, I think there is the walking dead, you know, like spiritually, right? Um, not physically dead, obviously, because they're fucking walking yeah. around and they're not really zombies. Brian isn't going to eat your face, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, there's a, a dude named David Chalmers that talks about consciousness and he puts out the idea of zombies, you know, like, like how do we know that everybody's having the same conscious experience? How do we know, right? Like you're having a conscious experience. I'm having a conscious experience. But like when we see red, it's our brain actually making sense of the world. Our brain is actually creating red. Your red might not be the same as my red. Mm -hmm. So it it falls into that Buddhist idea. uh, There are as many worlds as there are minds. Yeah, I like that shit. Right? Which I believe is, it's so true. I'll never forget the first time I read that I contemplated that shit for a minute. Mm. Like I sat there and I was just like, huh, shit, yeah, mm. yeah, my world is in your world. You know, I don't, the same way that people, you know, feel victimized, feel like a victim where other people don't feel like a victim, but they're living in the same, the same planet, have the ability to have the same emotions, but, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I love life. I hate life, but it's the same the same world, you know, perception is so crazy. And see, I think that living life, we're affirming things, right? Bruce Lee said that most people live their life in a mindset of negation. They see all the things that they don't like, right? Yeah. And, and to have a mindset of affirmation that you affirm everything that's happening to you, both good and bad. And when we avoid all the bad stuff, Sometimes we never really truly experience the good stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I love Fridays, hate Mondays. Yeah. You get back to work on Monday, oh, the weekend went by so fast. Well, why? Because you couldn't wait to fucking get there. Yeah. And, and then when you got there, you couldn't really enjoy it because you were so fucking intense. Oh, and, you know. Sunday night. And then you dread Monday. Yeah. Motherfucker, that's where the pile of money is on Monday. Oh, Monday is on my favorite day. Oh, the pile of money. <laughs> that's what I, I smell it. <laughs> People are in the office. Everyone wants to talk because they're still, dude, it's for my job. Mondays, mon- Monday morning is the best, 
best day. Like Fridays are kind of sad because it's like, oh man, you know, I can't get a hold of nobody. All the people that we were supposed to talk to, you know, presidents, vice presidents, HR directors, general managers, mm. they all gone by three o'clock. So I, I mean, I leave work at three o'clock on Friday because mm. I mean, it's pointless. There's, there's nothing. I mean, I could, I could refile paperwork, but you know, we're all about, I'm trying, I'm all about organization. It makes my life easier. So, <clears throat> but yeah, so Monday, I, you know, you know what I was thinking about today? We What's were just that? talking, I was, I was thinking about how, you know, and I, I am, I'm so blessed by the universe that I was able to one, have my, like, we've talked about this, my mother and two that I have, and I'd work with something that I generally like. Mm. you know, like enjoy. I don't like saying the word love. I, I actually, I, I really dislike the word hate and love. I feel like they just get overused and downplayed. So I don't like, Oh, I'd love to talk to you. Like I never say that at work. I would say it'd be nice if we could have a conversation. I think we can do things beneficial together. No, but I never would say, I love to talk to you. I only say, I love the things I'm willing to die for. Mm. I love chili. You're going to die for chili? I mean, if it's done you know right, I mean, if it's done right, maybe. If it's made in Texas, maybe. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I've, uh, <clears throat> I've been that way. I don't even say the word hate that often either. Like, I, I, I almost did it right now, but I catch myself right before I say it. I don't know. I was just thinking about that recently. And it had nothing to do with what we're talking about. But hey, man, power of truth, power of now. Well, so here's the thing. This song built for this, right? It's about me as a poet. And I felt like as a poet, that's what I am. Like I am built for this. I'm built for to be that dude to put shit on paper, question things, right? To me, art is bringing things into reality that never existed before. Yeah. Right? And in that way, I'm affirming life. And in that way, I'm kind of saying I am significant, right? Um, mm. I'm not dead inside. I like that. Right? Here I am, Right? Uh, which ironically is the, the next song that we're going to talk about is Here I Am. And it's the first one on, on the next album. Oh, shit. But, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the question. Here is the question. <laughs> okay. I want to know. It's not what is the meaning of life. The question is, do we live lives with meaning? They mean something to someone. Yeah. It's not. The thing is, though, is it's such a short time frame that we're alive in the spectrum and the scope of how long things are around. Like, I know my great-great-grandmother, but I don't know my great-great-great-grandmother. Never even heard of her. I don't even know her name. So, I mean, it basically takes you know, three generations and you're kind of a facade. Hmm. You know, if you're people that have done anything that, you know, are worldwide, like Michael Jackson's music, I feel around, like will be around for a very long time. Billie Jean. Yeah, he's not Ooh, my lover, man. One of the greatest yeah. bass lines ever. The doggone girl is mine, you know? Um, so like that aspect, and you want to know what's, okay. I was listening to something yesterday and it had to do with basketball. And mm. it kind of kind of goes with what you're saying, what you're asking, like the meaning. They were talking about great players, right? 
we talk about Michael Jordan, obviously, LeBron, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like these names that you, like mostly everybody knows, I would say. But they were talking about other things, like no one talks about Tracy McGrady, Anthony Hardaway, Larry Johnson. And these guys were like multiple time all-stars, the best of, like some of the best of their generation. And it's just how quickly you're forgotten. Oh yeah. So the, the whole thing of meaning is, you know, we, we live a life while we're here with the people around us that are, we affect and we have, you know, it makes us feel like we have purpose when there's people around us that actually genuinely care about us, you know, but at the end of the day, unless you do something that changes the world, it's very easy to forget. I mean, I've heard that there's been 70 billion people. I think that's how many people or no, maybe it's a hundred billion people since the beginning of time, you know, like Sumerian time. And that's a hundred. I mean, what would you say? I mean, less than point, like 0.01% of those people are remembered. You know, and, and that's not where I think the meaning is. It isn't, to me, it isn't the meaning of, of, are you going to remember me? It, you know, to frame it in another way, okay, here in America, we believe in freedom. How many of us actually act freely and, and, and do something, you know, that is really kind of unique or different, right? Like, I'll, I'll use my cousin as an example. Uh, when he looks back on his life, he's going to see pictures in his memories of him playing video games, <laughs> going to the movies. You know, he kind of does the same stuff that everybody does. You know, I don't know anything that he's ever done that really is going to stand out in his memory. You know what I mean? Like, you don't look pictures of you sitting on the couch watching TV. <laughs> you know, when did you look at a family album of you and your mom watching Seinfeld? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it's it's the things that we, we, we do that we actually fill up our time with. And so many of us are so busy fucking working. Right? We're so busy working. Right. I was just having a conversation with a guy at work today and we were talking about friendships and how friendships have disappeared from our lives as we've become adults, you know, because people get busy. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about a couple of the guys that he grew up with and how tight they were. And, you know, for years they still talk and after a while they just kind of stopped talking. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, sometimes it's like, what are we doing if we don't have relationships, man? You know what I mean? If we're just going to work and just coming home and staying in our fucking lane, you know, what is life about? Yeah. But you know, there's but what, the whole thing about through your eyes, it's like, you don't know, you don't know the things that people that make dramatic impacts on people's life unless they tell you, you know, we, you can, you can hear something like we say quotes, so we can hear things you know, where we have aha moments while you are just sitting at home and you'll remember those things. Like I've had moments where I've been reading books and I mean, I sit there and I just contemplate and I'll remember those. And I know what you're saying about like the whole thing. Like I've always said, like, I want to live my life great. So when my movie flashes before my eyes, like I want it to be a Hollywood blockbuster. So, you know, but I, th I think at the end of the day, it is about you know, those relationships that you can build. My best friend and I, we don't talk every single week or anything of that nature. But when we do talk, it not, it feels like nothing, no time has passed. Like we pick up right where we left off because that's my best friend. You know, I'm lucky enough to have, like I say, my mother, I've talked about her multiple times on this podcast. And, you know, I'm a 100% a mama's boy. 
but we have moments every week where I'm just laughing, you know, mm. and we just have little moments that are genuine and pure. And those are the moments I live for. You know, I have a, I have a guy at work. Um, we talk so much shit to each other. That's my brother, man. Mm. You know, and I'll just, I'll remember those moments. Like, dude, he said this thing one time. He was, he was like, yeah, man, I just hate everything. Just Latin. And it just, and bro, we were, it, it made me laugh. Like, like the language? Everything, dude. We were oh, talking, dude, but he was saying- Has, it, seen, has he seen nah, Selma nah, Hayek? Nah. No, bro. He was saying it to diss me though, because we oh, were just talking shit back and forth. Okay. And I'll never forget that moment. It made me bust up laughing so hard. And it's just a moment I'll never forget in my life. I mean, God, Baron, I don't get, get Alzheimer's or, you know, dementia or anything like that. But that moment was so pure, so funny. We were like together and bro, we say some of the most fucked up things to each other, but it's like that whole notion. I'm sure you have friends like that. I'm sure people out there have friends like that. It's like, no, no, we can talk shit to each other, but don't you ever say shit to my boy. Oh, I, yeah. when you just said that, I should, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, how in the fuck can you not appreciate someone I act? <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> like, I just like thought, Hispanic women are like ecstasy oh, to me. Yeah. Well, see- Hispanic women to me are my grandma, my aunt, my mom, St. Antonio, you know? So I, I don't, I mean, I appreciate Mexicans. Obviously I am a Hispanic, however you want to say, whatever you want to say. Generation, what is it? Latin X. You could even add that shit. Um, but yeah, you don't, you know, I mean, I, I don't go for Mexican women because I constantly see my family. Oh, so you can't bring them around me, man. Oh, that's fine. No, I can bring my family around you. You're, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> you, if, if I ever saw Selma Hayek on the street, you know what I would well, do. Well, okay. She's- You dude, know what I'd do. She's not even fair, man. I'd get a chain around that motherfucker and drag her to the house. <laughs> Jesus. Good <laughs> Lord. A chain. <laughs> nah. Well, I mean, she's gorgeous, obviously. Selma Hayek would be got- hijacked. And got body for days. Yeah, so I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But seriously though, okay, like this is this is something that's crossed my mind. What's what's the perception of animals when it comes to death? Right? Are they walking around in their life thinking about what happens after death? You think? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. It's the same way. Like I've heard, like a deer doesn't know what time it is. So here's the thing. Elephants will go back and visit the place that one of the herd died. Fair enough. Right? Whales yeah. will take the dead body of the of the baby whale with them for up to a week. Right? They they have a period of mourning. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, the touche. I something I've never really thought about, to be completely honest. And I've I've heard the thing about the whales and I've heard the thing about the elephants. So Maybe it's just, I don't know. I just don't think an insect, like an insect with like a small brain that thinks about that shit. Maybe, yeah, you know, that, I mean, I, I don't know. That dude, David Chalmers that I mentioned that wrote a book on consciousness, he termed consciousness as the hard problem of consciousness. And he, I think he wrote another book called, uh, um, what, 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 what is it to be a bat? Right. Something like that. And he basically puts it in, in these terms that a bat is having some type of an experience. Right, it's not the same experience that you or I are having, but they are having an experience in consciousness. But how can we actually make a judgment on if they understand death? You know, like they might, they might, even though it might be a different, they might know more. Well, 
They might know more. Well, I guess, you know, okay. Now that you say that and I'm thinking about it a little bit, I think that, you know, DNA is passed, you know, generationally. And I think the same shit happens with animals. You know, that's why, you know, Darwinism works. So I think that, you know, fear, like when you know, like for instance, like I think a deer knows what the sound of a gun is. Like, and he knows like, I'm about to die. You know, I've heard this sound before. And I mean, shit, they killed Bambi's mom, Mm. you know? And after that, you would remember that sound. Yeah. Like even any animal would remember that sound and be like, so, so yeah, I would say, yeah, okay. I'm totally flip-flopping here. Oh shit, this is changing. Classic politician. Let me do my thing. Need my votes. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I think they definitely, like you've proven to me today and I a hundred percent agree now. Yeah, they definitely have an experience going on. They know when things are going to happen. Like, you know when someone's getting old, you know, and you can tell. Like, and there's a lot of animals that, you know, will kill old people because of resources, but they're also other animals that will help. So, yeah, man, I'm in. They understand what's going on. In so, the world. so here's the thing. And this is, this is, you know, I know you just flip-flopped a little bit, but here's the thing. I think a lot of people don't spend time thinking about things like death. And I think a lot of times we latch on to the things that the great minds in history have said, right? So Rousseau. Renee he, Rousseau, the actress? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Oh, oh okay. He was a philosopher. And he wrote, an animal will never know what it is to die. And the knowledge of death and its terrors is one of the first acquisitions that man has made in moving away from the condition of being an animal. So there's this idea that we as human beings are, are better than animals and we've moved away from being animal-like. And one of the things that we have that they don't is the knowledge that we are someday going to die, right? <laughs> that animals aren't walking around thinking about that and that's why they don't have things like religion, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Is, is religion a man-created thing to uh, for us to have like uh, appeasing the fear that we have and this uncertainty of death. Well, everything is man-made. You know, um, everything that's ever happened that affects us. So religion was definitely man-made. Not orgasms. I mean, that was man-made. Well, they were part of the body before we got there. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, I was talking more more ideas, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, that's okay. You're anyways, anyways. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think that people want to have comfort in knowing that there's a place that they can go after life. No one wants to think that, you know, after you die, it's just over Mm. because we don't want to die. We want, you know, to live on. Um, I don't, you know, obviously there's people that obviously some people want to die, but for the most part, I think most people want to live as long as they can one and knowing that afterwards that they, that it's going to continue, that it's just not over because if it's just over, you could say, then what's the point? Hmm. You know, we played this whole game and then all of a sudden game over and the console turns off. Have you ever been around somebody that's been actively dying and aware that they were dying? Uh, yeah, I worked in, so I worked in a medical facility during COVID. Okay. Yeah. And that was, so when we were talking, when you were talking about that and everything, like we were, we were, it was 
gowns, double gown, mask, goggles, everything mm. like to the T. And there was people in there, you know, who had cancer and, you know, it was just one of these days now, aunt, that's what one of the guys say. It's any day now, aunt, I'm so ready to go. Any day now, aunt, I just feel horrible. Any day now, aunt. God. And then one day they weren't there. Then he passed. Yeah. 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 And it was, a, it was, it was a crazy experience because I worked there for about two years, um, almost through, I mean, yeah, almost to the end of COVID. And uh, <clears throat> I saw like six, six people pass, but it became just so normalized. Like it was part of the job that it was just like, all right, well, you know, um, Barbara's gone. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I was talking to her yesterday. You know, it's crazy. And the saddest thing in that is when you, when they didn't have anybody to spend the last days with. Mm. So I was, I was, I was very active in trying to, you know, talk to people and just not like I had any impact on, I mean, who knows, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but I just would always be so sad when there was no family or when they'd be like, we don't even know who to call. Mm. You know, so it was just, it was kind of sad. But when it goes back to talking about what you were talking about, you know, I don't, I think that no one wants to think that it's just over. You know, I mean, obviously that's an absolute statement, but <clears throat> I think for the most part, you know, people want their, mem like their memory to live on. That's why the movie Coco always makes me cry. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But yeah, no. It's the whole thing about. I don't want to watch it with you, though. I don't want to see you cry, oh, bro. You've you've seen me cry. <laughs> I'm an, I'm an emotional, an emotional Eddie, bro. Um, yeah, it's the whole premise of the movie. Spoiler alert: is once the memory is gone, they would disappear from like the afterlife. Mm. So you'd want to. So that's like that's why you'd want to keep on their traditions and trying to keep on their ideas of who they are, and that's why I'm kind of shocked that my family doesn't talk about, you know, my great, great grandmother because without her, none of us would be here, you know? So I don't know. Family's important to me. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. So you ever see that movie Corpse Bride? Yeah. Yeah. Good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. Very good movie. It is a good movie. And this is kind of going back to my idea of death. Um, uh, a little bit Th that, that movie, they had black and white people in the real world. And once you were dead, they were full of color. Yeah. Right. Like, like they shed all the things that really weren't of meaning. And then after they were dead, they could actually kind of just be right. When, when they were caught up in life, they were kind of caught up in all these things that was like actually separated from life. Yeah. You know, and, and this kind of goes back to the point, like, some of the people that have talked about death, the thing that they say that really scares us is a, a little bit of the uncertainty, right? The, the, the nothing is permanent, you know, like nothing here is permanent. So we try to latch on, they say, to things that give us a sense of identity, like religion, right? Like I've got the, the whole death thing figured out, check. I'm a Christian, right? I'm a Democrat. I'm a, you know, Republican, I'm, I'm this, so we identify with things that give us this idea of permanence while we're here. 
right? Instead of realizing that life is always flowing, it's always moving, it's always changing, right? Like people say, you're dwelling in the past. Are you actually living in the past? You know, that's kind of what this, the saying implies, right? You're, that somebody's dwelling in the past, right? Because they're not in the flow, they're not in the moment, right? Yeah. Sometimes we get stuck uh, holding on to, let's say, a relationship or a time in our life, you know, and we actually stop living in a way. Like my mother, right? My mother, when her husband died, he was dead 15 years, you know? She could not move on. She could not have another relationship. She didn't want another relationship. She held on to his memory and kind of worshiped the dude. You know what I mean? Like I knew my stepdad. He was a good dude. He was a dude. You know what I mean? But he wasn't as good of a dude as my mother painted him to be. You know? It was to her though. It was to her. Yeah. It was I mean, to her. She didn't. Like, who is anyone to you know, tell anyone else how they feel or anything of that nature? He, he got with my mom when I was nine. Okay. Right? Never wanted any more kids. He had kids. Didn't want any. So even though he was in my mother's life, he did not want to take part in raising me. She stayed in that relationship. They got married when I was 18. He lived with us. You know what I mean? To me, like, he was never a father, but he was the closest I ever had. I got you know what, what you, I mean? I got, I mean, yeah, there's just but, a lot, there's a lot more that goes into it. That, that's not a judgment on my mother. No. But, As a parent, yeah, I have a, a, a daughter, right? And I was a single parent for a long time. And I was in a relationship with somebody for about six months one time. She told me she didn't want kids. Well, guess what? <laughs> Doses. Yeah. You know, and this is the thing because my, my child is a big part of my life. How can you be with me and not care about my child, right? Maybe you don't like my child. I get it. Maybe we, this ain't going to work out, honey. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I couldn't, I couldn't remain in that relationship. And to me, I, I, I don't know what the hell she saw in this dude. Yeah. You know, like. I, you know what? I mean, I love my mother to death, and but my stepdad, I, I say the same thing sometimes. I was like, bro, you didn't raise me. Yeah. Like, you didn't raise me. You treated me like absolute garbage. You were just pissed off because I was successful at a young age. And you've had issues with men because of it, 100%. Right? Like, I can't- You've I've, said that on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've. you're one of the first people, like, first men in a long time I've trusted. My two bosses, like, I trust those guys. Yeah. Like, they, like, but I can probably, I mean, literally one hand, I can count on the men that I Well, you can trust, trust. me, but don't bring Selma Hayek over to my well, house. Well, no, well, no, man. I will throw a chain around. Well, no, no, I'm, I would say, no, no, I'm your boy. <laughs> I'm your boy. I'll, I mean, I don't, I'll close my eyes, but I'll open the door. You better hide Selma. I'll love it. No, no. I'll be like, trust me, Selma. <laughs> it's going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Oh, it it would be the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> I guarantee when I get the bully involved. Yeah, oh, just be like, mm-hmm, we here, man, we here. Oh, I'm filthy, I'm <clears> filthy. <throat> That's all right, though. You know, mm. we're probably we're probably kind of running out on time here, but I, I feel like we've only scratched the surface of this death we, thing. We going one more round next dude, week? Dude. Let's roll. You know, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to be getting into that song, Here I Am, next week, which it starts off the album, Sacrificing the Silence, 
this is my most personal album. Mm. Right. The first album, Headspace, it was kind of the things that I was thinking about. This album that we're in the middle of, Storm of Clouds and Smoke, it's kind of the way I was feeling in life. Like sometimes we get lost in in, in smoke lost and clouds. Lost in the sauce. Yeah, dude. And, and you can't clearly see the way to go, right? But this album, Sacrifice in the Silence, I had some shit to say, and I'm not going to be silent anymore. So here I am. We're going to get into that song, and maybe we'll scratch a little bit of this death thing and see what we can do on that. But maybe I'll take it in a different direction a little bit because we can't just sit there and do the same show twice, can we? I mean, does any something that happens once will never happen again. <laughs> something that happens twice will definitely happen a third. Hmm. Here's something, one of the first things in philosophy ever said, you can't step into the same river twice. Yes, facts. Facts. Facts, facts, facts. Death is on the horizon. We don't fact check here, so everything we said is right. Oh no, this is this, this, this is this is a poet's perspective. <laughs> yeah, we, I might get some shit wrong when I say some things oh, with confidence. Oh, we, but yeah. when you're on the mic, you you got to. Yeah, you got to. If I don't believe it, you can't believe it. That's it. <laughs> this is this is truth power, and we are going to speak a little bit of truth, but it is a biased truth. <laughs> Facts. Right, imperfectly human. Mm. That is our brand, imperfectly human. We have the right to be wrong. Mm. Mm. Said that a few times. You got any parting thoughts besides drink water? Oh man, you took it right out of my mouth. <laughs> um, I say, if you haven't called someone you care about, call them, talk to them, reconnect with them. We're only here for a short time. Reconcile, man. Life's beautiful. People are beautiful. And, you know, you really want to care about the people you do love. So. For real. For real. Life is out. short. Reach when, out. When my mother was in hospice, she wasn't talking about all those shows she watched on TV. It was those relationships. relationships. It was those relationships. That's the thing, man. So life is short. And to have a meaning of life, I think we have meaningful relationships. Mm. And that is, for me what this show is about to bring people together a little bit through the lens of art. So thanks for sticking with us on another episode of Truth to Power. Sean. Yes, sir. Built for this, man. Built for this. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the album. Do you remember what I said when um, I said uh, what I said about building the beat for this one? Do you remember <laughs> how I put that shit? Refresh my memory on that. Well, I said when I wrote these lyrics that these lyrics captured my relationship with Paige. And I said, I want you to give right. me music that captures your relationship with your keyboard when you're building beats. <laughs> and I straight went straight house vibes with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I did not see this motherfucker coming at all. I remember when I first sent you the beat, you were like... Do you remember what you said, Sean? I remember you're like, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, are people going to like, yeah. I've never done anything like this. I don't know if people are going to like this. I don't know if I can do this. I was like, That's exactly what I said. It. You know, just even, even it. when it comes to rap, like I felt that a little bit, but I felt like, I felt like I could be on time. I just didn't know if I would ever right. sound good. You know what I mean? But with this, I was like, this, this ain't me. I don't even dance. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what's what's funny about built for this is like how reluctant you kind of were at first to do it, and then when you went and recorded it in the studio, and then heard the first mix. I feel like you really enjoy this song. I was right, right, Sean? I told you, man. Dude, it, I had a great time with it. came time out really it. good. I, I had a great time with it. But I don't know if you remember the phone call that we had once I heard the beat for the first time. Like, literally, I flipped around probably in two minutes to where I was going to do it. But at first, <laughs> I did not want to do it. But then I realized, like, I actually took a step back and I said, you know what? I asked you to give me music that, that you know, came from your heart and I would be dishonoring you if I... Didn't fucking try. Right, so, right. So that was actually my motivation was um, I felt bound by honor, I suppose. <laughs> when I first, like, sent it to you and your first reaction wasn't, well, I was, I'd be lying if I said I was, like, expecting you to be like, yeah, this is going to, hell yeah. I, I knew you were going to be, like, slightly reluctant to it. You were going to have to sit on it for a second or whatever. Um, but... When I was making it, I, I forgot what vocal tr sample I had chopped. It was something on Splice or whatever, one of like the royalty-free whatever uh, things. And I remember making it, and I was like, you know, maybe I can interpret this. Because when you first sent me like the lyrics to it or whatever and kind of told me, I was in, in the back of my head, I was like, I was like, I have an idea for this, but I won't, I don't, I didn't want to tell you up front about the house idea, Sean. I wanted to just throw it at you. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I felt like if I would explain this, to you, you probably would have been like, yeah, nah, let's, let's do something else. Right. You know what I mean? If you didn't, if you didn't hear it in context, right? See, now I also kind of pictured something very sexual with this song. I, I don't know if you, if you ever picked up on a lot of that stuff in this, in this song for the, from the lyrics, I, I expected it to be sexy. I did, but for some reason I interpreted it as dancey, housey. Something you would hear in a club with women dancing and I, I like the strobe lights going and the smoke. I just, I don't know. That's kind of how I interpreted it when you had first wrapped it to me. And uh, if you can tell when you play the track or whatever, does is is this one like it's you almost want to fist pump a like immediately when the beat drops? Do you not, Sean? You almost want to start like it's impossible. I, I would. I would dare one of our listeners to listen to this song and just like keep a straight face and not nod your head at all. It's impossible. <laughs> dude, the drum break is so funky. Oh, and dude, some of the lyrics are, are fucking wicked good. Like this is some of my favorite lyrics actually of, of the album. Um, I think Tattoo is probably, Tattoo and, and Dow were probably the, the lyrics that I was really the most proud of. Um, do, do, you have, do you have a favorite line or stanza from this record? Well, like actually, share? I have I have two things I really like a lot. I I just think it's kind of funny because I'm I'm relating to the page like it's a woman, right? Right, right. And and the way I get into those lyrics, I go, um, "Me, I got that never slip like a tight frame walk. You just gotta get. I fit them mm. curves and know how to hit. You know, like mm. that's very sexual, right? Um, oh yeah." But then it gets into the in the second verse, and then it really gets going when it hits that, um, you know, she's delicate like sunburned skin, snake shed, translucent thin. We peel away, soft as if we cast off our sin-like skin. Darkest mm. wine, diving in. This intoxicated ocean swim, the subtle touch hands can give. Baby, we can drown just a bit. 
us entwined, those thorns we twist, kill the lights, mm. get after it. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like when I get on that page, I, like I'm after it like sex. You know what I mean? Like I want it, gotta have it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there, there's some deepness to it. You know, like the way that third verse comes in, belief frames yeah. them truths you find. You got yours, killer I got's mine. Let not truth ever wrap eyes blind to the view that you climb. You know, like all that shit, it was, it was some real shit that I was saying in this, in this track, you know, break, break down that, that bar you had just said when, with, with the killer, like who, who's the killer or is that, is that, just I'm, I'm like, actually, I'm actually talking to the people that are listening, you know what I mean? Because our it. beliefs frame the truths that we hold true to. And that's what I'm, I'm coming out with in that third verse. And, you know, when I write my, my lyrics, like these are things I believe, you know, or things that is my truth, you know what I mean? But I realize right. it's subjective. So that's why I say belief frames them truths you find. You got yours, killer, I got mine. You know, mm -hmm. but what I say next is let not my truth ever wrap eyes blind to your view that you climb, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to I want to recognize that you've got your beliefs as well. You know what I mean? And I, I recognize that, you know? Um, but for me... Uh, truth fits that kiss and she loves to bite, right? Like sometimes my truths are bitter truths. Um, like what did we say the other day when we talked about our style? We're aggressive. Very you know? aggressive. And, and I'm aggressive on the page and I'm aggressive right. with myself. You know what I mean? And so is our approach to music. We were literally talking about that a couple of days ago. We're like, damn, dude, everything is so damn aggressive. And you're like, well, we're aggressive guys. What do you expect? Oh, dude, we're about to write the <laughs> we're about to write the the beat for the fifty second song. I think it is. You know, like that's the next beat we're gonna be building. And yeah. and I'm thinking about what's next. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out how we can keep this shit rolling while I start doing the performance stuff. I am not sure how you know that you're in a real city, but I know I'm in a real city when in broad daylight, I see a woman in her late 50s taking a shit on the sidewalk. There's this invisible line that most people don't cross, right? A line of unacceptable behavior, like grabbing a nun's tit. I will go just so far and, oh, Okay, do not pass. Acceptable. Now, your lines are not my lines. Some people are happier than a worm and a turd. But most people have similar ideas for acceptable social interaction. Unlike the homeless woman who shit on the sidewalk. Hmm, what's her name? Let's call her... Trudy, because it's only a slight change in the spelling from turdy. Now, keep in mind that Trudy just mean-mugged it. No paper, not a sleeve, not even a discarded pair of drawers, nothing. She just pulled up her pants, just pulled them back the fuck up. Mm. A real city. Sometimes we unknowingly cross someone's line. With so many religions, cultures, and lifestyles, we most likely have watched in awe as someone somewhere took the metaphorical shit on our metaphorical sidewalk. In which case, 
someone tends to get a little shitty. And I would like to point out that it isn't always the one pinching off the stink pickle either. Could be the one walking down the sidewalk barefoot. Like a hippie. Oh, shit. Like most Americans who witness public shitting, I didn't get involved. Really? How could I? How could you? Ever try to reason with someone taking a shit in the city? I have not. Not right on the sidewalk, anyway. Not on a train. Not on a plane. Doesn't fucking matter. Like other people, I was trying not to notice. I think I would look for other people that were watching, trying to find someone in the crowd dialed in, just because I think that would be funny. But me, I really tried not to notice Trudy. Most likely, Trudy would not have been open to my intellectual banter, no matter how woke I may actually be on that shit there. Something tells me, that Trudy wouldn't give a shit. Well, she may have given me the turd on the sidewalk if I had brought it to her attention. Now, speaking of the metaphorical shit on the sidewalk, how many fucking school shootings will have to happen before we collectively do something about this shit? I don't think we will do anything about it because the farther away we are from any event, the less it smells. People forget. Well, perhaps not the people getting shot. But anyone watching TV. We just tend to notice the turd and wait for someone else to show up with a pair of gloves. When it comes to school shootings, what can most of us do anyhow? We really need some politicians to show up with their shit picker uppers on. Now, while these impotent fucks discuss gun control, I would like to ask why are our kids so fucking pissed off? Fuck. You think you're pissed off now, Chester? Wait till you start paying bills, son. I know. It can be tough as a kid, especially if you have a pedophile in the family. Not to mention a pedophile that's not quite out of the closet. But... Take the untampered kid. What's the fucking deal with shooting up schools? Did someone smash your tater tots there, Tanner? There was a time kids were terrified of grown people. Back then, kids were reluctant to talk back. Or even talk. Never mind pulling a pistol on Kenny. Back then, old people did not ask kids how they felt about shit. They did not want Junior's two cents, even after the Boy Scout weekend trip with Scoutmaster Grabass. Adults were not open for discussion. Turns out, they didn't give a fuck. Get in the back seat, shithead. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and we did. The only feelings I knew I had for sure was crying. And glad no one saw that shit I just did there. Oh, and of course, tired. Now, I'm not saying that we go back to knocking the little fucks around for asking what time the movie starts. Quiet, Lisa. But I tend to think 
it may have something to do with, hmm, everyone. Let's face it, somewhere along the way, America took a big sidewalk shit and just pulled up its pants. And everyone wants to act like that shit didn't happen. I'm not even totally sure we even dropped our pants at all. We may be walking around with shit pants. I think the kids are pissed off because we're pissed off. And I think that we're pissed off because Uncle Sam is pissed off. In fact, in 246 years that we've been a country, we've only had 15 years of peace. 15 years without getting in some shit on the sidewalk. Don't take my word for it. Ask Google. But in my version, I'm here to tell you that's 231 years of shit in our pants. No wonder the kids are shooting each other. As Americans, we have two moves. Consume as much as we can until someone has to take a shit. And then kill anyone that gets in our way. Conquest and consumption tends to lead to violence. Who would have thought? Mine! Oh, hey. Not anymore. I suppose we want to blame the bully. Or the parent that has guns. Or Walmart for selling bullets. But could it be that we just have an aggressive society? Fuck. Try to talk to someone who watches another news station or prays to a different god. How about we all just take it down a notch? Smoke some weed, listen to some smooth jazz, and maybe eat something with gravy. God damn, you can't be mad when you're floating in gravy. How much war could we possibly fucking need? Are we safe? Yet? Not in school, you're not. I think we may want to collectively ask, what is it that we all agree on? Maybe we get some of that united back in our American states. What do we believe in? What lines do we not want to cross collectively? Everyone wants some sort of movement. The woman on the sidewalk had a movement. Truthfully, I'm looking for progress. In the case of homeless shitting on our sidewalk, I suppose progress may be more public bathrooms. Or could start by asking why we have so much homeless. Experts believe that most people who are homeless have mental disorders. And guess what? It turns out people with mental disorders don't mind shitting on the sidewalk. Well, progress may look like investing in mental health. If not for the homeless, what about the kids? Hey, maybe it would even help the kid waving around a gun to calm the fuck down. Until I see some progress, I'm keeping my head on a goddamn swivel, especially in Florida. I think this is why we ask people, how are you doing today? Fine. Well, we need that superficial answer, don't we? It's what we all want to hear. Fine. If someone gives you the real answer, you may no, to give them a wide berth. Well, this morning, 
I was hinged. Then I got fired. I went home and found my wife fucking the neighbor. She said it was because I had a little dick and didn't know how to use it. So now I'm completely unhinged, if you must know. Hey, look, pal, I was just being polite. Now, are you here to buy a gun or not? That I am, sir, and put it on my wife's credit card. Here's a thought. The 10 lowest paid careers with a college degree fall into one of three groups. Teachers, mental health care professionals, or social servants being either social workers or preachers. If we take care of the mind, the spirit, or each other, turns out these careers have no value to American labor as a whole. Maybe if we, I don't know, cared for each other, valued caregivers with a living wage, I don't know, we wouldn't be so goddamn angry. Or we could make it interesting. Like when the kids figure out that there's a whole lot of other places to shoot people besides school. How about a baseball game? Show up at the away game of the other school. Wait till your team loses. Take it personal. Start with the mascot. People will think it's all part of the show. (laughs) Won't they be surprised? Hell, if you're near ground level, turn your pistol into the stands. Shoot everyone running down the steps. These fuckers will leap to the top tier 20 feet off the ground. And if your face is painted like 20 of your friends that came to the game, you may never even get caught. Home of the brave? (laughs) Then how come y'all got shit pants? Hmm. You wonder. Welcome to America. This is Curious G, and that was the Truth to Power podcast. Thanks for joining us this week and we'll be starting the next album sacrificing the silence hope you enjoy this song here i am when truth hits there is no miss target lock here comes that kick genesis set the bomb to blast parting lips my flesh like mass cracks smile every time they ask why do you gotta drive this fast catch it there's an option handle get a grip me i was built for it i never slip like a tight frame walk you gotta get i fit them curves know how to hit relax y'all this is just the tip this will happen quick i was born to rip baby i am built for this way lips invented kiss to capture us like we is brick after break me brick toad tip some days get bright some got that whip relax y'all i'm built for this yeah yeah built for this yeah yeah built for this Stung like venom Brings me in up against my wits To awake the numb underneath my skin Shed the dead laws I live Get with miss, get after it She's delicate like sunburned skin Snake shed, translucent thin Peel away, soft as if We cast off sin like skin Darkest wine, diving in Intoxicated oceans swim The subtle touch hands can give Baby we can drown just a bit Us entwine the thorns we twist Kill the lights, get after it built for this the way lips invented kiss capture us just like we is brick after break me brick toad tip some days get bright some got that whip relax y'all this is just the tip yeah yeah built for this yeah yeah built for this
frames them truths you find You got yawn killer, I got mine Without my truth, I'm a rap buys blind To your view, that you climb Truth ain't served, good news bright My light's the way into collective night Truth fits her kiss, she loves to bite Some fear the type of kiss Baby, these lips built for this Brick after break me brick Truth know just how to hit Relax y'all, I'm built for this Feel my kiss Dangerous Breathing truth away, poet spit. Some days get bright, some got that whip. Relax, you all, this just the tip. Some days get bright, some got that whip. Relax, you all, I'm built for this. Some days get bright, some got that whip. Relax, you all, this is just the tip. Some days get bright, some got that whip. Relax, you all, that's just the tip. Some days get bright, some got that whip. Relax, you all, I'm built for this. Yeah, yeah, built for this. Yeah, yeah, built for this. Yeah, yeah, built for this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, built for this Tongues, whips, dangerous From the chest, my very breath is built to mix Yeah, yeah, built for this